a, a couple years into my photography career and I was transitioning to commercial photography and we just had no money for Christmas, like no money for food, two cards declined. It was embarrassing. I went on a date with my wife because we didn't have food at home. I was like, hey, let's go eat out and, and we, we get our food and we go to the cash register and two of my cards decline and her card declines. And, and so we had to go find some cash and change in the uh, car to pay for one of the meals and we had to return the other one. And so we, we split one meal. And, and that was December 2012. And I just said, like, okay, this, this is it. So I have a month. And I told her, I have a month before I either have to, I said, give me a month before I get a job. Because I was an entrepreneur at that point. I was like, I don't want to get a job, you know, go, go backwards. Like I've already built this thing. And so I said, okay, I told her. Give me a month, and I'll I'll either get a job at the end of this month, or I'll create something that'll bring bring us in money. Well, that's a guest talking about an incident that happened not too long ago. I'm your host Karthik, and welcome back to the show. On this podcast, I sit down with creative thinkers, entrepreneurs, artists who've swam against the tide to follow what they believe in. And if this is the first time that you're tuning into the show, do consider subscribing. Because on the show, no two episodes are similar and every handpicked guest dives deep into a subject that will leave you amazed, knowledgeable and hopefully entertained. Our guest today is Josh Rossi. He is a commercial photographer whose photographs have gone viral multiple times and has been viewed by millions of people. In fact, one of his projects went on to clock over 400 million views. And he has worked with some of the brightest and the biggest brands that we know today. And that includes names like DC Comics, Warner Brothers, Adobe, and more. He's a celebrity, but his life was a lot different just a few years back. I just can't wait to get into this conversation. But before we jump into the episode, a quick word of support. This show is brought to you by Thrive Membership from Thrive Themes. Think about this. Back in the early 2000s, a lot of creative business owners started using MySpace to showcase their work and also to grow their businesses. Jim was one of them. But in just a few years, Facebook arrived and a lot of these businesses, including that of Jim's, found themselves in a deserted place and had to literally start from scratch. Jim lost all of his leads, customer contacts and everything else he had going on in MySpace. This is bound to happen when you rent a place, like a social media platform, to grow your business and brand. Now, here's something I want you to consider. Starting today, take full control of your business and your brand. Bring your customers and leads to your own website, not a rented place. And you can do this all by yourself without having to spend thousands of dollars on a web agency. Thrive Membership by Thrive Teams can help you do just that. You can have your website completely from scratch in just a few hours. And Thrive Membership comes with a ton of ready-made design templates that lets you collect email addresses and 11 powerful tools to build your business presence online. And for all of this, you pay just $19 a month, not a penny more. To learn more about Thrive Membership, go to designyourthinking.com thrive. I use this personally and if you have any questions, do drop me an email to hello at designyourthinking.com with Thrive in the subject line. 
and me or my team will be happy to help you get unstuck. Again, the link is designyourthinking.com slash thrive. From the DYT studios, it's the Design Your Thinking podcast, a show about creators, entrepreneurs, and non-conformists, and the stories behind the decisions they made that completely changed the future of their lives and businesses. And now your host, Karthik. I'm a commercial photographer, and it's it's kind of funny because um, when I first started in this field, I, I saw some people that were just a big inspiration to me, but um, they they were also digital artists. And so I started on this path doing photography, but then also um, becoming a digital artist, but I would just call myself a photographer. And it's interesting because like as I got into the industry, um, companies and agencies would look at me and and they were like wait you you do photography and you retouch I was like yeah isn't that normal you know I thought that was normal and and I guess it wasn't normal and so sort of accidentally I learned this extra skill of retouching and digital art that has actually allowed me to get more income and and beat out competition but yeah it was it was kind of kind of by accident just because I I followed like what just visually what I wanted to do. That's Josh Rossi. He was obsessed with art as a young boy. It was not surprising that he was born in Florence in Italy, which also happens to be the birthplace of Renaissance. Josh, can you take us back to your childhood and describe that moment when you first discovered your obsession with art? Yeah, so I was yeah born in Florence, Italy. My dad always sort of joked that I was an artist, even though he, he really had no clue what I was capable of, I guess. Like, I, I wasn't really showing anything, but he just kept saying, yeah, you're an artist, you're creative. He would mainly say, like, you're creative, you come from Florence, you know, home of the Renaissance. And mm-hmm. and so I kind of believed that. And as, as a young kid, I felt just very, like, I felt artistic before I was even doing any type of art. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it was... I'm sure it was him just telling me that, you know, reinforcing it. But anyway, then at some point I started getting into like sketching and and kind of sculptures and whatever. And mm-hmm. um, I, one of our family friends, I just found this out recently, which is hilarious. So one of our family friends was the sketch artist for the Black Panther uh, comic books. Right. Okay. And so I took I took these uh, sketching lessons from him. And, you know, he taught me how to do just comic book characters and um, and that, that's sort of where my passion lays. And, and and like right now on my desk, I have a, you know, we're good friends. And like he sent me this uh, sketch that he did of Captain Gravity. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of it. I think it's an, an original character that he's created, but his name is uh, Sal Veludo. Uh-huh. And... And he was like an initial inspiration for me. He got me on the, the comic book craze, and and so, um, when you know, was I was this? sketching for fun. How this old this was you? when I was maybe fourteen, fifteen. Wow. And and so I got really inspired by that, and I would 
sketch out these comic book characters. And at some point I realized that, you know, it was probably just a hobby. I wasn't really going to make money doing it. So I got into other things, but that's, and and then yeah, obviously it circled around, but that's right. kind of where the first inspiration came from. We were all born with a lot of talent, but as we grow up, we tend to nurture some of them while ignoring the rest. And they say that parents can play a big role in nurturing these talents. Josh, if I were to ask you to describe that 14-year-old kid, how would you describe that relationship this 14-year-old had with his father? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that 14-year-old kid was deeply disturbed <laughs> as, a, <clears throat> as a child. Not deeply disturbed, but I was... I was uh, just kind of, I was really creative. I wanted to just create things. And um, my dad would, I mean, he he was a hard worker. And so I, mm-hmm. I got the entrepreneurial side from him. Was he an um, entrepreneur? Yeah. Yeah. So I I was, and and the reason why I say deeply disturbed, not really deeply disturbed, but I was like, like he would want me to work in the pasta factory. Mm-hmm. And he thought that my time on Photoshop was kind of, like a waste, I guess, you know, the, you know, he comes from this hardworking background. He, he makes food, you know, so, and he's been really successful at it. So he's like, yeah, come and take over the business. And, and I never wanted to. And I was just kind of alone thinking like, man, I'm, I really love doing art, but you know, I don't Mm -hmm. think anything's going to come of it. So fast forward to when I was, I think like 20 something, 22, Mm -hmm. um, I went back to Italy for a couple of years and I'd returned home and a friend of mine, and I was kind of thinking, what do I do in life now? Like, do I go to college? Like, what do I do? And one of my friends told me about this advertising school and he says, you can actually, he's like, did you know you can actually make money mm-hmm. being, you know, doing art? I was like, dude, there's no way. Like how, how, you know, where, right. where do you find clients? Who's going to pay for this stuff? He's like, no, like for real, there's this advertising school that there's a whole industry based on that it's called advertising mm-hmm. i was like oh okay so anyway because of his recommendation i got really excited about it and uh but you, know, you got into you did start interning with a film production company before that yeah i did yeah and it was it was actually it was kind of all in the same time period i started doing mm-hmm. um yeah um i started working with a, a company called Kinetto pictures and they were uh, they'd worked on some big projects, and so I got a job with them. And then on the side, I was doing my own wedding video business, and then I was doing uh, assisting work with like MTV and like some other big, big projects mm-hmm. in video. And I just was frustrated because I was like, "Wait, this doesn't make sense." Like, like look how many people are on a film set. There's like a thousand. Like, who actually has the say in this? You know, is it the directors, the editor, the producers, the people that have the money? Right. Like, it was just very frustrating for me because it's like, man, there's like, I want to create something. I don't want to be, well, which maybe is probably a selfish way to think of it, but like, I don't want to be a, a small part in a gigantic project. Like, I, that, that says nothing to me. You know, it does nothing for me. I want to be, I want to do the project, mm-hmm. like, everything. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's kind and, of, and um, yeah, and you went ahead and joined uh, this art school, um, the Miami art school. Yeah, yeah. After I was um, <clears throat> doing video for a little bit, that's you know I got frustrated, and and I think it was actually after that that my friend said, "Hey, you can actually 
well, okay, two separate occasions, but that's unimportant. But, you know, at this point, he's like, okay, you should go to this ad school that I went to. <clears throat> and so I, I went to ad school and learned a lot of things. But then I realized how much they actually got paid. As an art director, I was like, oh, man, that's not a lot. So I don't know if I want to do that. But I I started uh, – uh, that's where I found my passion for ad photography. And I found a lot of really cool advertising mm-hmm. photographers were just doing mind-blowing stuff that I never thought was possible. And so from there, I left school after about six months. So it was a two-year degree, but I left after six months and – I just came back, got a job in construction, but Hmm. my passion was to do photography at that point. I realized like, okay, so I'm going to work towards this. So I started doing, uh, you know, I was doing construction for a year. Mm -hmm. I saved up enough money to to start doing weddings and I was obviously honing my craft um, in the meantime. Like when I was at ad school, I would stay up till about 2 a.m. I would skip all of my homework and I would stay up till 2 a.m. every night for about uh, for six months. And then when I got home for another probably six months to a year right. <clears throat> and I was just honing my craft. I mean, I mean to an extreme extent where it became obsessive. I, I had to get how extreme this look. Well, it was extreme to where I was, I was, re- I researched every freaking tutorial that's online, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and nobody knew how to do this specific effect. It was like this painted surreal look that like this retouched look that only the, the pros were doing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, how do I get this? And I mean, day in, day out, like, like I look back to that time and it feels like I was just outside. It felt like I was outside, like digging a ditch every day, trying to build something that I didn't, I didn't even know what I was trying to build. But right. you know, it, that that's kind of like mentally how I imagined myself um, just scouring the internet. I mean, I was super hungry to get this style mm-hmm. and and I mean, it took it took a while, you know, it took a year, year and a half <clears throat> to finally get something that was marketable. And um, at that point, it, and since then, my style has increased even more. So it's been even more refined. But that that was sort of the jumping off point where people actually liked it enough to pay for it. And Josh suddenly took a segue into a topic that he thought was very important about being a successful artist. And I mean, I think I think that's one of the biggest issues nowadays is there's two issues. Well, three as far as being a successful photographer or just an artist in general. And I don't know if you're going to ask like what questions you're going to ask me later, but sure. maybe maybe there'll, there'll be some overlap. But num- number one is just the work itself, not, you know, having something like creating something that people will buy. That's that's huge. Um, it, like a lot, a lot of people just aren't honing their craft enough. You know, they're not hungry to hone and they're kind of like watching tutorials. They get a, like high on education, but they never actually reach that point and then they sort of drop it. So number one is that, you know, uh, creating the work that people are going to buy. Number two is the presentation around the work. It's, <clears throat> it's the perception of who you are as an artist. Do people perceive you as very high priced? Do they perceive your work as very valuable? Do they perceive your work as as being very rare? Mm-hmm. Um, and for for that reason, I don't charge like small prices. You know, I I charge extremely high prices. And I mean, we can talk about that if you right. want, like later. But yeah. Um. So so you know the perception and the presentation, how things, how you present things, 
Um, and that, that goes more in depth. And then the third thing is the distribution of your work and the, the, the marketing of it, you know, knowing the correct marketing to do. So you're not wasting time knowing how to contact the right people, you know, understanding the market, like who's going to buy my work and how do I get my work in front of them to be exposed to them. So, I mean, those are, those are the three things like really it just comes down to those, um, to be successful. And wow, those are really solid, uh, points that you put together. Uh, yeah, definitely. Certainly I would like to get into the pricing bit a little later, but before that, I'd like to go back to a point that you made a little while back uh, about the time that you took to hone your art. As artists, we are constantly pursuing our art and always trying to look at getting to this level of perfection that we have in our mind. But we also know inside that perfection is just a perception. Now, you took one and a half years to work on your art and on perfecting your art. I'm curious as to when and how did you come about this realization that uh, you did have something that's marketable? Well, so at some point, I started realizing that I could create um, the looks that I, I had in my head. And I remember I, had, I have a good friend that was that we had this discussion that's super important that just changed things around for me. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, basically, don't worry about how you're going to create something initially. Just think about what you want to create and then figure it out afterwards. Because here's the huge issue is that we put limits on ourselves and on our creativity because we don't think that we have the tools necessary to do something. So we limit our creativity. Mm -hmm. And when you limit your creativity, you're dumbing down just just anything good that can happen. Like you're you're dumbing. I mean, to dumb down creativity in art is it's like, what the heck's the point? You know, so so let your mind wander and think of whatever image you want in your head and then afterwards figure out how to do it. So that's one some of the best advice I've ever heard because then I started thinking about like crazy stuff, you know, <clears throat> thinking about actually one of my first series mm-hmm. uh, that I did after, you know, all this all this long practice and work right. was was this uh, spy series. Like I was obsessed with James Bond and so I was like, man, I'm going to do this spy series. I have no idea how I'm going to create it, but I'm going to photograph somebody flying out of a plane with a parachute. I want a shot with somebody in a car, like going out of a window, shooting another car, you know, all these really crazy action scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody sliding down the side of a, uh, like a building, shooting something else, you know? So all these scenes, I was like, no idea how I'm gonna create it, but that's what I'm gonna do. So I, I sort of sketched out the ideas and then, you know, it took me, I don't even remember how long, but then I started, just to produce them and and I had to figure things out as I was going along and I was able to figure it out you know even though now maybe I do things a little bit differently because I know I know how to solve certain problems I I was sort of pushed to solve problems in the way that I knew how mm-hmm. and I released that series on Facebook and and people were just blown away they they were I mean as far as reaction goes they're like I had no idea like what is this like I had no idea that you did photography like this that right. you could create a style and so that got me a lot of attention um, <clears throat> some you know I started with some small companies that wanted to work with me you know nothing nothing big but that, that got me started wow that must be really fun 
you create a series you put it out and people start liking it and that leads to you getting your businesses well is that the way you get new businesses today too it's more complex than that so no the answer to that is no that's not how i get work is just doing a series and posting it mm-hmm. that's probably one of the most the the i don't want to say the least effective but people think it's right effective but it's not like you that goes back to the distribution like how do you distribute right. your project so that's that's yeah, where it's you, so I mean, you don't you, put your work out and wait people wait for people to come by no i mean you can like now i have a social media following you can post stuff and people start sharing it a little bit but it's <clears throat> it's all i mean it, it's what i said in the beginning it's like the the three-part thing it's right you have to have all three things i mean there's so many people that try to distribute their projects that are just like not good they're they're just technically not good there's nothing visual there's nothing emotional about them mm-hmm. and so th- they distribute it they market it and and it gets a subpar response from people you know i mean you need right. the work you need presentation people need to think you know and the, here here's a huge mistake is people <clears throat> well as far as marketing goes and making money they'll they'll post something on facebook and like like a deal mm-hmm. you know like hey i'm running a deal uh this month like only right. three spots left or like hey i'm booking you know it's just that's just like the worst like nobody's gonna book you like maybe you might get a friend or a couple right. people that'll pay you something low but that's what was the first big brand deal that you did do you remember how that conversation went josh yeah it was um <clears throat> it was adobe and mm-hmm. they contact me because they saw some other marketing that I had done um through like an influencer and and they they contacted me I think it was the head of marketing and they basically wanted to so so here's here's the crazy thing um I I hadn't really done any gigantic projects before this mm-hmm. but they thought that I did um back to perception you know they thought that i was this big photographer and you know i i had the work to back it up but i hadn't done any big brand deals so they the the head of marketing called me and and said um you know hey we'd like to meet with you and i'd never met with a big company before so i, I had no idea how this was going to go so i go and meet with them and in retrospect th- this was a huge deal like this is this is massive this uh to this day this is one of my highest priced photo shoots that I did you know so it's kind of funny that it was one of the first and um so I'm I go to their office and I meet with them and just talk about ideas and it was super casual and the guys like yeah I'd love love your work would want to work with you you know just sketch up something and mm-hmm. um let's do this actually we talked on the phone before so when we met in person I already had a sketch for him mm-hmm. and he loved it and and He's like, all right, cool. Just get back to me with an estimate. We'll go from there. Mm-hmm. And so I go home. You know, I act all cool. I go home and I, I pretty much like panic because I was thinking this could be a huge job that could change my life. Right. This is the in, you know. But I don't know how to price. That's the thing. I've never, I've never worked on pricing before. I'm, I have no idea what to charge for my work. Right. Um, and I was like, this is a huge like Fortune 500 company. So they have a budget. You know, I was walking through all the common sense uh, behind it. I was like, okay, they have a huge budget. This is for a big campaign. Um, how much do people charge for this stuff? Like, I, you know, and I was thinking, right. 
I could probably charge like five thousand dollars. This is this would be good. Yeah. You know, and then and then after a day, I was like, no, there's no way it's five thousand dollars. You know, so I was going back and forth in my head. So one of the smartest decisions I ever did was to contact somebody to to basically educate myself, like right. contact somebody that had done it before in New York. Uh, is she was like um. I don't remember her title, but she was a big editor. She'd like done this, you know, she, she estimated for a lot of big jobs in her career. Mm -hmm. So I contacted her. I paid her 350 bucks for an hour of her time, which for Mm -hmm. me at that time was like, wow, that's a ton of money. Um, and, and I literally, I had probably like 420 bucks in my account. And so I gave her almost everything that I had. And it was sort of like a leap of faith. Right. And we we talked and she she blew my mind. She told she taught me about estimating and she taught me about industry averages. Um, and so then I I go to Adobe and, you know, I I present this estimate and that, that was way beyond what I could even imagine. Mm-hmm. And they accepted it on the spot. They're like, yeah, sounds right. Sounds about right. It's like, oh, my freak. What just happened? You know, like, like, is this. You know, is this how it's going to be from now on? Like, this is crazy. Right. So what was a lot that, of times... What was that advice she gave you, if you don't mind sharing with us? Well, I mean, she's, she's told me about um, how to break down an estimate. So, so, so first of all, she told me industry averages, which was important. You know, high-end, somebody's charging 7500 a day for, for photo shoots. I, I was previous to that. I was charging $500 for a whole photo shoot, which was a day and all the editing. And she's like, so it's $7,500 for um, an average. So that's a high-end right. day rate. Right? Maybe average is 3500 to 5500 And she's like, you could probably charge like 6500 you know, hmm. because of your work. I was like, oh, okay, that's awesome. And so then she showed me how to break that down, how to – how to create an estimate, how to break down the pricing. Wow. And, and it's like, okay, then you need an assistant, you need uh, location scouting fees, you need an editing fee, right. and then you put a day rate on there. And then, uh, you know, whatever else fees, like usage rights fees. Mm-hmm. So I broke it down from, and, and with those two things, first of all, knowing industry rates, and then secondly, um, like knowing how to present it to a client, that's, that, what, that's what made all the difference. Give me a sense of how you work, Josh. Let's say I came to you with a project. How would you approach it? Well, you you have like little time with a client. Um, so you can't be on like multiple phone calls trying to figure out what to do. Like you, you have to be the expert. So mm. <clears throat> you usually have like one phone call and then like, I, I say you have one phone call to make the deal happen, you know, and to... Mm to give them a creative idea that will stick in their mind so they'll hire you or so they'll they'll feel confident with you. So you you have to um, usually usually first contact is through email. Right. And you want to get as much info as you can, but not overwhelm them. So you ask them like what what's the main idea that you want to do? You know, and they'll they'll give you a few specifics. Then you'll set up a call and on the call you present your ideas to them. You might have a couple like three, four ideas visually mm-hmm. and you present those ideas to them and um and for the most part going through the process that i told you earlier where right. i i feel the emotion of an image first before i create it um then i sketch it out that that's worked up till now you know and for the most part 99 percent of my clients have been like yeah that's what i want to do 
Um, and, and I think Frank Gehry said this. There, he's a big architect for those, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he said that if he, he he'll walk into a space and if he doesn't get an idea of what the architecture should look like within the first like five minutes, then it's just never going to happen. It, it'll it'll never come if it doesn't come right then. And I 100% follow that. Like if you don't, Beautiful. if the client gives you an idea and visually you cannot think of something, usually it's going to be probably like not a good shoot, you know, or not a good project to be on. Um, do do you, it, you would turn them down? And no, I don't turn them down. I take on the job and I try to make it work okay. if it's, if the budget's there. But the times that I've done that, like I had a nightmare client, mm-hmm. nightmare client. And this was, this was like a year, a little over a year ago. And, and I knew like I was going against my own advice, you know, like I was I, like this, this company was confused mm-hmm. as to what they wanted to do. And here's, here's actually a tip. Like, don't work with a company that doesn't know their own brand. Like a brandless photo shoot yeah. is going to be a disaster every single time because you're trying to please the client. If they don't even know their brand and you create something for them, it's just not going to work because then their brand changes. Mm-hmm. I've, I've done that multiple times. Anyway, so this client, I took it on because it was a good job, but right. you know, everything was going well until they saw the pictures. And it was like the picture, the pictures were really good mm-hmm. i mean i'm not i'm not saying that to boast or anything right. but like they were they were dang good like i spent a lot of time and they were exactly what they had asked mm-hmm. for i mean to the t and they saw them well one person saw them the head of marketing and she she's like what is this like mm-hmm. what are you talking about i mean it was it was a disaster um then eventually she showed it to the actual person in charge and they loved it because mm-hmm. they weren't attached to the project but you know it's yeah, sometimes I I turn it down if it's too little money, basically. Now, if you went to Josh's website, you see photographs that take you to a completely different world. Apart from the photographs of celebrities like Damon John of Shark Tank, Josh has shot a few photo series. And one of that is the Wonder Woman series. Josh, can you tell the story behind the Wonder Woman series? Yeah, I was... Um I mean, I don't even know where to start. Basically, I I had this idea, talked with a friend about how um, there's this other photographer that was photographing their kids and mm-hmm. people were noticing. And and I was like, that's interesting. Maybe I'll do a fun photo shoot with my daughter. And and so then for Halloween, I decided to uh, create this awesome costume for her and turn her into Wonder Woman. Um, so I did that and I applied my commercial photography skills to like kid photography type thing and so i made her look like she's on in this movie poster or whatever I recreated scenes from what the wonder woman movie right. and and i put it out there obviously distributed it correctly to certain people and mainstream mm-hmm. media and whatever and it just blew up it got like 60 million views um and and it was i was getting interviewed all over the world because of it i mean it was crazy and at some point I there was one lady that called me and said, "Hey, I love your series, but you know my daughter's the real Wonder Woman." Hmm. And and I was like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "Well, she has cancer and she's like wow. three, and you know she's she's the one that's really going through the issues. Like you right. showing your daughter, which is awesome. But I mean, if you do ever do another series, like my daughter's the real Wonder Woman, I was like, that's cool. 
So that gave me the idea for the the Justice League kids, hmm. which was um, finding the the real superheroes in society. You know, the the real people that are struggling with things like right. these small kids that have struggled so much right. with disease or with not having legs or with other things and, and turning them into the real superheroes. And so basically I, I titled it the, the Real Justice League. Wow. When I first saw the series on your website, I showed it to my son. And it's only later that I realized the story behind it. As a father, I was really, really moved. What kind of an impact did the series have on you? I mean, it, it, like I, I realized more and more after the fact what mm-hmm. what we did and, and how amazing it was for the kids. But I mean, on me, the impact was amazing. It was, I, I mean, these kids, so the three kids that had cancer are in remission now. I'm not saying because mm-hmm. it's because of my photo shoot, but, you know, they they had like, they, they just got better, which was awesome. Um, and then there was some other kids. One, one kid had half of a heart. He was Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just was really close to them. And like their parents were so grateful for this. And I don't even r- realize that the depth of the project, because like even you telling me like how meaningful it was for you, it's like th- this has been seen by it's, it's hit almost, I think almost 400 million views or something like that. 300 something million. Mm-hmm. And there've been, I've, I've got, thousands of emails from people um right. telling me how how much they were touched and so i mean for me i'm i'm stepping back i was like i i have no idea what where this was gonna go this is i just i literally just wanted to make a few kids feel mm-hmm. happy you mm-hmm. know get them out of their struggles for a day um one of the kids the kid that had half a heart tegan he said that this was the best day of his life was it was the the photo shoot day and so i mean that that gives you an idea as to i guess the impact that it had in general but then also for me yeah it was just like such a good such a good project that i i mean i I, we're we're working on other projects like this but we actually did another one after it but yeah it was just a few years back when you started to put out your work and today, your work is getting noticed so much that people like your photographs on Facebook and other social media platforms. They get to share and things go viral. What what do these shares and likes mean to you, Josh? I mean, they, it's, it's not, I mean, it, it, I don't, it, like, it's, it's awesome. The, the meaningful thing is that people have seen it and that they're touched by it and they keep sharing. Like, as far as the views go, like, mm-hmm. I... It, well, the views mean that more people have seen it, so those are important. So the more views I can get on each project, the better, and I'm excited. But it's not because of the views, because the views don't do. You know, I mean, if you're asking, do the views benefit me personally? Like, no, we haven't got paid for any of this. Right. Um, but for example, we did another project, the, the Avengers of Bullying, right after, and that got way less views. You know, it got like three or four million views. Um, but it, it hit the right people. And if anything, it touched the actual kids and, and they, we, we keep getting feedback from them that they're just more confident in school, that they're being treated differently. And these right. are kids that were severely bullied beforehand. So, I mean, it, even if we didn't get views, like the, the fact that we did it for the kids, right. we made them smile was just awesome. That's a nice feeling. 
Josh, you've obviously done a lot of amazing works of art so far, and I'm sure you have a handful of projects lined up to work on too. But as artists and entrepreneurs, with every project we pick, every decision we make, we are building a legacy, a body of work that we kind of leave behind, something we leave as a gift to others when we are gone. Is there a kind of work that you've always wanted to do that you haven't had a chance to work on so far? I mean, that's a good question. I feel like, I feel like this. Pro- and I'm not saying this from mm-hmm. a place of like, oh, I've I've reached, you know, the the best place in my life because there's a lot more a lot more projects that I want right. to do. Right. But I, I think the Justice League series, like, I can die feeling like I've I've completed like some sort of artistic mission <laughs> you know because of right. because of how that affected people I mean we I, I was interviewed in Italy mm-hmm. um by by a doctor that, that they basically opened up uh, a new research sector mm-hmm. in their hospital to to just because of my series and he told me that it wasn't like he's like just because of your series we've opened up we're looking into the positive effects of the, the, you know, these types of projects, um, with cancer, you know, and how That's these big. can possibly like help kids and their mood and help in the healing process. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's just a, it's like a, a study. So, so stuff, when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, wow, that was, that that's that's crazy. So as far as, as far as future projects, I just want to do more of those. I don't think that this is, this is it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I and I'm working with um, a possible project with Disney now, and I'm trying to take things to another scale, mm-hmm. where um, we can we can affect you know orphan kids and like beautiful. I I just love these types of projects, so so I'm going to continue to do these projects basically. What have been the most defining moments in your career and life so far? Um, let's see. That's a great question. The most defining moments. Uh, one was when I was, I had no money and I was, so it's, it's usually that this is, these are the moments that have defined me is the moments when I've been desperate because mm-hmm. desperation, um, breeds like, I don't know what the word is like innovation. Like that sounds cheesy. It sounds like a quote that I just made up, but it's, it's basically like desperation leads to problem solving, which mm-hmm. then leads to you know, you, uh, creating something bigger. And so one of my first moments was, uh, Christmas 2012. So only six years ago, uh, we, I I was sort of like a a couple years into my photography career Mm -hmm. and I was transitioning to commercial photography and we just had no money for Christmas, like no money for food, two cards declined. It was embarrassing. I went on a date with my wife because we didn't have food at home. I was like, hey, let's go eat out. And, and we, we get our food and we go to the cash register and two of my cards decline and her card declines. Mm-hmm. And and so we had to go find some cash and change in the uh, car to pay for one of the meals and we had to return the other one. And so we, we split one meal. And, and that was December 2012. And I just said... Like, okay, this, this is it. So I have a month and I told her I have a month before I either have to, I said, give me a month before I get a job. Cause I was an entrepreneur at that point. I was like, I don't want to get a job, you know, go, go backwards. Like I've already built this thing. 
And so I said, okay, I told her, give me a month and I'll, I'll either get a job at the end of this month or I'll create something that'll bring, bring us in money. And so I decided to sell tutorials at that point. Like people wanted to learn my style and I was already in, in my career. I just wasn't, you know, I was transitioning. I wasn't getting a lot of commercial work. And so I created these tutorials and, and made more that year than I did, than I would have in a full-time job. And so that, that was like the first jump off point. The, the second one that was significant was I got a really bad concussion a few years ago. This is in, in the middle of, this is a couple years after, and I lost my memory uh, for a little bit. And I didn't know how to actually like create photography anymore. And I didn't know how to uh, do business either. I, I was like, how am I making money? That was the main question that I kept asking my family. It's like, I don't get it. How am I making money? How am I attracting clients? And so that led me to uh, learning more about how to market myself and and how to uh, just just push the boundaries of of marketing and you know start start making a, a, a living for my family basically. So those those are the two moments. Beautiful. I know it's just been six years, but you've come a long way. And I know each one of us have our definition of success. Just curious to know what yours is. I mean, definition of success for me is is just when you can be free and and comfortable. Um, I mean, there, there's different definitions of success because right. there's like spiritual success, there's mm-hmm. like temporal success, there's like emotional success. So, I mean, and th- those are each different, you know, like emotionally, uh, you know, mentally and emotionally, like I, I want to be get a husband, like, like raise my kids. Well, I don't want to be angry with the kids, you know, that, that type mm-hmm. of stuff. Like I want to have a good relationship. I want to stay married forever. Right. Uh, then with, with work temporarily, it's like, you just want to be free. Like you want to have enough money to, to not have to worry about money and be financially free. Then there's like, you know, in, in my own personal life and spiritually and more, um, in that side of things, you know, you want to be, you you want to believe in something that is past this world, you know, like, mm-hmm. like you just want to believe. I mean, I, I don't know if like anybody believes in God on, on here, but, but it's, you know, it, it's a huge, it's a huge help uh, when you believe in something, when you right. believe in nothing, it's, it's very difficult to go through life, you know? So, I mean, even if you're Buddhist or Muslim, whatever, right. like it's good to believe in something right. and to, to believe that there's something out there that that's helping you. Um, so and so, yeah, just working, working towards goals like that. And like the Justice League kids was definitely a, a more spiritual right. um, sort of pursuit. And, and to me, that was success is to be able to create, you know, even if it didn't go viral, like just to create something like that, that that would help somebody else like that. That's a huge success. And and I think every single person should use their art to to help somebody else, because I mean, to to see like like art can actually help people that mm-hmm. that was my pursuit that was a big thing initially i saw some photographers that were doing some some type of like charity work and, right. and i thought to myself man they're you know i, I want to do something with my art i want to be able to help people and i just couldn't wrap my head around it i didn't know what it was right. and then uh, you know until the justice league kids came up and then it just blew me away how this could actually help somebody mm-hmm. um so, so anyway, that's, you know, I think everybody should be doing stuff like that. On your website, I see that you even teach courses. Now, courses are big today. 
every expert is now teaching what they know. But the thing that really stands out with your courses are, are that none of these courses that you have are prohibitively priced. I can imagine selling all of them together as a bundle for a much higher price point. Why are you teaching all of this other than, of course, profiting financially? Well, number one, it's a business. So does for profit. But, but that's not that's not the like that is not the reason why I do it, because if you're doing it just for profit, then it's it, it, like like I've done stuff just for profit before. And it sucks. Right. It's like it, it you stop that thing, you know, uh, because I mean, really, like deep down, I, I truly want to help other people. And if if I'm doing things just for profit, it's, you know, it, it just becomes a job. It becomes like you're you're trying to get money from people. You know, it it's horrible. But initially, you know, I made the decision. So first I was teaching Photoshop tutorials because that's what I knew. I, I've never taught anything that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And that, that's something that frustrates me about online now. Like people will teach things that they don't know just for money. Right. So I've I've taught only the things that I know. Initially, it was Photoshop, um, and then and then as I started getting into the business and learning more, now I also teach the business, uh, and you know full time photographers, sort of all of that. And mm-hmm. you know people have asked like, why are you giving away your secrets? Uh, because you know initially like you you need something that makes you unique from your competition, right. and uh, you know if you give that away, then everybody's going to look the same. Mm-hmm. But what I realized, and that, that was sort of like my it, that's what made me a little bit nervous at first. Um, but what I realized was that people will take the skills and they'll turn it into something different because art is is something that comes from inside of you. It's something right. that it's sort of like an expression of who you are inside. So everybody does it differently. And, you know, I just try to help those uh, people to, to get to where they want to be. But then also in the business, you know, it's like, like I'm freely teaching. I even, I even have a free one hour course mm-hmm. uh, about about the marketing that I've done to to get these big jobs, you know, and that's why I said right. like it's probably a longer conversation, but yeah. So anyway, and I noticed that recently you launched a software for photographers. Can you talk about that really quick? Yes, it is a website builder for creatives. So each each one of the things that I've created um, addresses the problems I said in the beginning. Um, the, you know, the, the three issues of, of creating and, you know, distributing mm-hmm. and all that and presentation. So, um, I, I, I've had, you know, I, I've been able to address the two issues of creativity, creating work that is sellable. Then I've addressed the distribution and marketing side of things, right. but I never addressed the presentation side of things. And so that's what this software is. Mm-hmm. Um, I just noticed that a lot of, well, so, so we do these live reviews every week mm-hmm. with my students, and and I noticed that one of the biggest issues is that they just don't present their work correctly. You know, like there's a lot of website builders out there that just let you throw up whatever. You know, and so photographers' sites or artists' sites, you know, designers even they're they like it's just text here, like a picture here. It's stuff that doesn't. They don't know how to sell right. through presentation. And, and I've, that's how I've made a lot of my money is through, through presenting uh, my work to people. And so I just created this product electric, uh, electric folio it's called. And it, you know, it's just a website builder that has certain things built into it that allow you to present in a better way, allow you to show 
your process behind the scenes, um, you know, and, and that type of stuff. That's interesting. I've noticed a lot of photographers use Instagram these days. Is Electric Folio like Instagram or how different is it? Just to give a perspective. Yeah, and it's not it's not even like Instagram. Here's here's the problem is people use Instagram to nowadays to send that to clients. Right. You know, and and literally the difference is tens of thousands of dollars. You know, mm. if you send something to somebody like let's say I would send a client, uh, my Instagram, mm. what happens is they're judging you based on your following. And and most artists don't have a gigantic following. Like if you have hundreds of thousands of people following you, then that's impressive. But if you don't, then why are you, you know, like, why are you sending them your Instagram? That's the first, that is the whole premise of Instagram, right. like your following. So why, why are you showing your client the weakest part of your business? Right. You know, so, so anyway, it's like, it's, uh, you, you need, you know, you need, you need a site that it's all about perception. You need a site. I mean, go look at my site right now. Anybody listening, joshrossi.co. Um, it's built with electric and it's powerful. You know, right. this isn't like, I'm not saying this to plug electric, like you right. can use a, you know, it's a free product by the way. So I suggest anybody go take a look at it, but joshrossi. you know, www.joshrossi.co and you can see the presentation there and compare that to, let's say an Instagram profile. Right. Um, there's, there's things like where a client can click on an image and then they can swipe over and all of a sudden, there's all the behind the scenes of that image. Right. And what that does, that's how I've got a lot of work, is by showing my clients my process. That actually gains their trust. It shows them that, wow, this, this guy actually is doing all the work. He knows, you know, look how much work is going into this Adobe image. Right. Like, he must be worth a lot. You know, so, so things like that as an artist, I've built those out just to help people to get work. Josh, if you were me sitting with you having this conversation... What is that one question you would ask that I didn't ask you so far? Dang, this is, let's see, I used to run a podcast, so let me think. I would ask, um, if I were to start over from scratch, what would I, what would I do to, to build up the same success, if not even, you know, to become even more successful? If I were to start from scratch, what would I do? Wow. So that's the question I would ask. Wow. And, uh, do you want me to answer it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm just kidding. Um, so, so if I were to start from scratch, the simple, the, the, the sort of simple answer is, um, and you've heard this before, it's, well, two things. The more you learn, the more you earn. Warren Buffett said that. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, okay, that doesn't apply because if I'm starting from scratch now with what I already know, uh, I would basically, well, what I've learned is like, it, it's who you know. Mm. that will get you the jobs and you can win a job over based on your relationship with somebody. Um, you don't want to be in a bidding battle with other people. Like you got to make those connections. So I would, I would get connected with the right people. I would offer those people something. So I would go out there and offer a photo shoot to the most successful people that I can find in my area. And I would go all out. I wouldn't be afraid. I would find the millionaires, the people that own the companies Mm. I would reach out to them on LinkedIn. I would get their emails and I would find out where they spend their time. Maybe it's Twitter. Maybe it's LinkedIn. Who knows? And I would offer them. I'd send them a message and say, hey, let me do a free photo shoot of you. 
no no right. strings attached. So then what I'd do is I'd go show up, I'd do the photo shoot, I'd create a relationship with them. I wouldn't expect anything from them. Um, and that, and I would do that over and over and over again. And I, that's how I built my career. And what's happened is that you're playing on the law of reciprocity. So you're giving something to somebody unexpectedly and they feel in debt to you. And so a lot of my clients within about nine months, majority of my clients mm -hmm. or the people that I've done work for, they've referred me more work, you know, more paying work. Um, and so it's, it's just a cycle that actually works and it will always work. That was Josh Rossi and he is based out of Los Angeles and Puerto Rico and lives with his wife and two beautiful children. He continues to organize photo shoots for his daughter Nelly on her birthdays. He's currently working on another series with which he hopes to touch more lives and make a difference. You can reach Josh on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and his website. I'll have the links to all of this in the show notes, which you can find at designyourthinking.com slash S2E12, season two, episode 12. Wait, don't jump off yet. I have a really interesting interview coming up next week, and here is a quick preview just for you. The basic premise is, let's say you have, if you've ever ordered food um, for an office of over 20 people, it's very, it's, it's a pain and it's, it's really difficult to make everyone happy and to stay within budget because you've got people that are vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, kosher, halal. And so to meet their, their budget or their, their dietary restrictions and also be within budget is really difficult. You have to go around, you have to understand what everybody's preferences are, you have to track them, you have to place the order, you have to do research on the products that you're buying, and then you have to make sure it's all within budget. And so we thought, you know, we can solve this with software and we can create software tools that help make this easier. And so really the first thing that we built was a Slack chatbot. And that's an interview with... Emil and Cassie Eit of Destinables. The two brothers talk about all their businesses from when they were 10 years old to how they're helping companies customize healthy snacks for their employees today. To make sure you don't miss out on this episode that's coming next week, please go ahead and hit subscribe if you haven't done that already. And once you do that, you will have every new episode every Wednesday pop in right automatically without you having to look for it. All right. So if you liked today's episode, I really appreciate you leaving a rating and review for the show on iTunes. Now, that's the only way people can discover the show. Go ahead and leave me a rating and review in the iTunes store by heading over to designyourthinking.com slash iTunes. Type that in your browser if you're on an Apple device and that will take you automatically to your podcast app and just go there do two things one leave a rating and two leave a review i really appreciate you doing that and if you did that just make sure you left your twitter or instagram handle so that i can personally thank you the show is also available on spotify google play and youtube just type designyourthinking.com slash spotify or google play or youtube to get right there I appreciate you taking the time today and until I see you with the next episode, take care and cheers my friend.